Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yes, you, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, we meet at this table to experience, inspire, educate, and encourage, and empower each other through our joys and lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there's some things we just don't talk about. But here, we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week, we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston, and we are webcast worldwide on the internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, no worries. You can hear our archive shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, or just key in Frankly Speaking with Tyra G., And you may visit the media room on my website, www.tyragarlington.com. And if you feel like just connecting with me offline, you know it's easy. Email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for coming in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme. And naming it, This I'm Listening. Today we're adding to our show catalog another addition to our theme, This Is Us. Many of you locally, nationally, and internationally have shared stories of challenge and blessings, have asked questions and provided answers. Sometimes we cried. Sometimes we laughed. Sometimes we learned lessons. Sometimes we were surprised. I wonder how often at the end of an episode someone has pondered, wow, I thought I was the only one. I chose this theme initially to introduce you to one another and to demonstrate the power and creativity we have when we encourage, embrace, empower, and celebrate together. We have worked for 234 shows to sustain and maintain a safe and trusting space where thoughts and feelings can authentically and vulnerably flow without judgment and limits, no matter the topic. And for that, I thank you. I want to create a common thought space today with a tribute to you 
and I quote, Pretty women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size, but when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say, it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please. And to a man, the fellows stand or fall down on their knees. They swarm around me like a hive of honeybees. I say it's the fire in my eyes and the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist and the joy in my feet. I'm a woman phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Men themselves had wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. Say it's in the arch of my back, the sun in my smile, the ride of my breast, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say it's the click of my heels, the bend in my hair, the palm in my hand, the need for my care, because I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. Those of you may be familiar with Maya Angelou's Phenomenal Woman, from her book, And Still I Rise, in 1978. My guest at the Frankly Speaking table today, like all of you, is a phenomenal woman. She, like many of you, is a wife, mother, entrepreneur, coach, inspirational speaker, and author. She's raising two young authors as well, who recently had their first book signing at Barnes & Noble. You will see she has a strong faith and can-do attitude. And today, she's going to walk us into a space that, frankly speaking, has not intentionally explored as a topic before. Mrs. Sharon Kelly, thank you for joining us today, for being able and willing to share and inspire. And as you take the mic, speak the introduction to the book you will write, during our time together that will be added to the Frankly Speaking Human Library. Sharon, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good. At last. (laughs) I should let my audience know. Sharon said to me, well, um, I get off work here. I've got to commute. Can we do this? I said, yeah, girl, we can do this. When you get home, I want you to exhale. But Sharon, why don't you um, give the audience a look into who you are as a phenomenal woman from your perspective? Oh, man. Um, I'm definitely a work in progress, um, as I think we all are. Um, I I am a woman of faith. I'm a mother. Um, I'm a wife. Um, I am an author. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a philanthropist. Um, I... uh, I have a heart for people, and I believe that's what God has created us all to do, um, is have a heart for people. And I especially have a heart for children, um, primarily because I feel like that is where it all starts, really. It, it starts really in the womb when we're in our, our mother's womb, and then once we're birthed, 
um, it starts as we're children to grow and develop and to be the people that we are supposed to be. Amen. Amen to that. Wow. Okay. Well, there's some people going, how she do that? <laughs> That's a whole lot. But what I love is, one, it's a process. Two, yes. it's something that we owe the next generations, a legacy. Exactly. And when That's we create, right. yeah, the legacy, and I heard you say uh, philanthropy, and that's one mm-hmm. I had not initially thought about. And um, one of the things that happened when Sharon and I were trying to get together on Monday, she sent me a text that says, we've had an emergency. We have a family that we have to help. We need to get donations mm-hmm. together. And that was real-time mm-hmm. philanthropy. What happened with that? Um, there's a there's a lady who was uh, expecting, however, uh, her baby came in God's timing, not hers timing, so it came a little early ah. uh, to us. Not early, obviously, to God. He knew he was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we needed to come together and try to find her resources, car seat, clothes, diapers, milk. Um, obviously, she's, she's nursing. However, her supply was low, so we had a mother that was willing to donate supply. So... Um, I was gathering, trying to gather resources wherever I could and run to go pick those resources up so that she could have the things that she needed if baby had come home um, this week. Um, so that, that was what the hustle and bustle was. <laughs> and, you know, I celebrate you th- for that, really. Um, I find, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this, do you find when you're in a giving mode, do you find you're inspirationally elevated? Do you? Yes. I, I always I feel good, you know? Yes, absolutely, yes. And it's, it's funny because that is, it can be the most chaotic time, yes. but it's the most rewarding time. Like I'm not, it's one of those things where I'm not walking away, you know, frustrated or upset or irritated or annoyed because it. I'm, I'm a planner and anyone knows me, they know that I'm a planner. But when it comes to giving and being there for someone, my planning thought process goes out the window as far as I, it has to be exactly the way I expected it to be. Yes. It could be all over the place. So if I have to go run to Alexandria, I have to run to Stafford, whatever I have to do to make it happen to be a blessing to help someone to take the load off of their shoulders and focus on their healing and focus on their baby or whatever that need is um, that's happening in that moment, then I would, I love to do that. And it, it, and like you said, it's a refreshing feeling of being able to give back and do what it is that essentially we really are called to do. And that, to me, is the key. We are called to do. We're not here to suck yeah. in oxygen. There are things that we are here right. that we must do to get to get the world moving. And I think we, right. we saw it during the pandemic. Uh, we mm-hmm. saw uh, communities being born that weren't there before. And uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I tell people this, and they think I'm crazy, you know, pandemic, yikes. But the pandemic seemed to shine some light in some dark Mm -hmm. spaces and to create Mm -hmm. some opportunities for people to get outside of their comfort zone and think outside of the box and do some very creative things. But when I listen to you, Sharon, and, you know, reading your book and all, I have a question because what you said uh, are we, we, we start before we're born. And we're created beautifully in the womb. But I want to know, how did you get to be the woman you just described? You must have had some heroes and sheroes along the way that were role models. How did that happen to you? I 
I, I always tell people it, it was Jesus. Um, it, it was Jesus because I had to go through a lot. I, um, I grew up, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in a standard home with my mom, my dad, my father um, was murdered at, when I was one. Um, I never got a chance to meet him. I didn't live with my mom. I bounced from home to home. I was sexually abused. Um, and yet and still God placed me in homes where every, every family member that I lived with, they loved me, they treated me as their own. And I, I, but I grew up even around love, but yet I didn't feel love as I got older. I had a lot of resentment and anger uh, because of the perception that I had. But once I came to Christ and I sought uh, healing over bitterness, over payback, over resentment, and I stopped wallowing in self-pity and licking my wounds, and I wanted something better than what I had been experiencing, which was pain, and I desired peace. Um, I, I had a journey to for healing, and um, that's why I always say it was Jesus, because had I not have come to Christ, um, I, there, there are so many different places that I could have been. I could have been a statistic, but because of Jesus, I wasn't. Um, and because I sought healing uh, more so than wanting to pay back or wanting to be bitter, I wanted freedom from that burden. It, it takes so much energy to walk around to be angry um, and to be mad at the world and blame everyone. And I, one of the th- key things that I remember that my aunt and uncle who raised me and I identify as my parents, um, he used to say to me all the time is, they call me Sherry, Sherry, the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, and in my head, it did, you know, oftentimes when we're kids, it did, it revolved around my pain. It revolved around my frustration. It revolved around my story and everyone should be sulking in misery just like I was. And if you weren't, then I was angry at you. I lashed out at you. Um, but when I came to Christ, I realized the world doesn't revolve around me. It should revolve around that everything that God does for me, that I was able to see things from a different perspective and to be able to see um, the fact that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily grow up with my father because he had, he was deceased. I didn't live with my mother and I didn't, I was bounced from home to home. I was able to see the, the beauty in all of that, even through the pain of the sexual abuse and that God was going to use me to be able to touch someone else who may have experienced that and being bounced from home to home and understanding that, hey, you were still loved. Um, I was able to see the other side of it versus just focusing on that pain. But I don't believe I would have been able to do that without Christ. And I'm I'm listening to you, first of all. That was a wonderful sermon. Second of all, um, let me congratulate you for being a survivor. And third thank of you. all, um, thank you, thank God for having you to survive in spite of. Uh, your exactly. story, your story is uh, amazing. I did not know that. Uh, I have heard many women say grew up around, didn't feel, and that has a mm-hmm. lot to do with our history as well. Uh, our, mm-hmm. our history as African Americans, uh, mm-hmm. the the whole uh, recognizing vulnerability and and trying to heal it was not a part of our story, and uh, right. For you as a one young woman to receive, receive, mm-hmm. and then to mm-hmm. share. And um, no wonder you're busy because with mm-hmm. your attitude and your faith, you've got a lot to do, young lady. You've got a ton yeah. of work to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you recognize that, and that's that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. So we, we sing praises to your uncle and aunt who raised you, correct? 
Yes. Yes. Now, I, I say they raised me because they are the ones who introduced me to Christ. I, I live with multiple relatives, but okay. it was what that home that ended up being my foundation um, to carry me forth as years went on. And you know what I also heard? And this is this is what we know as tradition. You said you lived with many members of your family. That is yeah. a tradition as well. That comes from the home country, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. People picking up the slack. It, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a blood relative. It's just a person mm-hmm. in need. You come on over here. You know, we can cut this potato in half. And uh, mm-hmm. we need to talk about that and celebrate that, never to be ashamed of it, you know. And I don't right. think we do that enough, Sharon. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But, um, right. Tell me what you do professionally. You said you were driving home for work. I don't know. What do you do? Share with us. Uh, I'm in finance. Um, I support a government contract, um, and um, I do finance. I've been doing finance since 1999. Oh. Then I won't talk to you about that because I'll get embarrassed. Okay, so now (laughs) we have have you working for someone else. We have you Mm -hmm. working for yourself. Talk to talk to mm-hmm. us about what 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 do you do as an entrepreneur? I have a, a company uh, called uh, PowerMax Enterprises um, LLC, um, and that I'm a life coach. Um, I I speak to people um, in reference to things that they're trying to do with their lives for the future. Um, try to help them resolve um, or consider things that they need to handle related to their matters in the future, the current situation, not dealing with things of the past. Um, and uh, whether it's whether it's their finances, whether it's uh, step family, most of my clients have been related to step families and uh, trying to navigate through that and find a healthy way of, of um, navigating their, their blended family. And also I'm an author, um, and both of my books are related to uh, step families. I am also a founder of a nonprofit called PowerMax Company where we do things in the community um, to try to bring families together um, to help those in need. A um, couple of the, the initiatives that we had going on pre to COVID, um, one was safety awareness community event where the community would come out and learn about different things related to safety. And then we had what's called this Christmas talent competition where about 24 contestants would compete for a prize and a portion of the proceeds for the ticket sales would go towards purchasing gifts for families that are in need. Yes. We also do a uh, birthday hope where we buy birthday gifts for a, uh, a child um, the ages 1 to 17 each month. Um, they have to, the parents have to submit an application, and we select someone each month to provide gifts to. Um, and we also just started this year uh, the Easter egg bags uh, to give to families that are in need. Wow. Okay, uh, the obvious question in my mind is uh, I know there's no such thing as balance. I was interviewing somebody one time. Oh, I know who it was. It was the uh, CBS director of diversity, and uh, she was talking about uh, the number of things she did, and she had a family and all. I said, how do you balance? She says, there's no such thing as work balance. <laughs> she said, you do what you have to do. Well, now you've given mm-hmm. me a litany of things. How do you manage? I noticed I didn't say work balance. How do you manage a day or a week in your family? And you need to tell us about your family as well, What it, uh, the tribe, if you will. 
Well, I will tell you, um, in my home, my husband has reminded me multiple times that my first ministry is here. <laughs> okay, okay. So I dare not forget that. Um, so, so I do make sure that my home is taken care of, the things in my home is taken care of, um, whether it's preparing meals, cooking ahead of time, taking it out early. Um, I do what I need to do to make sure that home is taken care of. Um, when I know I have an event or something coming up, I make preparation and I plan accordingly. Um, so I, I I think I do it pretty well. There's been a couple <laughs> times where, my, like I said, I, there's been a couple times my husband has had to reel me, reel, reel me back in <laughs> and remind me that I do live here. Um, but uh, for the most part, I um, because I, I do believe that um, – that ministry starts at home. Yes, and I do yes. believe you have to have your house in order before you can effectively really go out in the community and serve. Um, so I, I, I do try to make sure that, you know, my house is in order, that I do the things that I need to do at home for my spouse as well as my children. Um, and if I'm not able to, I, I make sure that, you know, I, I order out or I, you know, <laughs> I pull someone and help me with. Gobble, with, gobble. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, nobody goes without here, um, for sure. But, um, I, I, and and I try to coordinate the things that I have to get done really around the time that I know my spouse, um, is at, is at work. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's also an entrepreneur, um, as, or, and when my children are off doing other things with another relative. Um, now, obviously, there are times where I can't coordinate that, uh, but the times where I can, I do. So, uh, okay. Now, what does your family look like? You want to talk about who's in your family? Okay. Um, we have a blended family. Um, we say we're just family. They're all of our children. Um, I was married previously. Um, I have four older. We have I have four four older children from my previous marriage. My husband has a son from a previous relationship, and together we have six. Um, we we just say our children. We don't call them step. They don't call each other step siblings. We are family. Um, and that's, that's what our family looks like, and that's what we call it. Um, I know some people refer to bonus. Now, if I'm introducing, I will say step or bonus so that the person can understand the dynamic. Um, but for the most part, and they know we're all family. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, yeah. you know, as a disclaimer, um, I was a step mom and never used that in description with, you know, with the boys. Mm-hmm. For mm -hmm. me, they just didn't come through my womb, you know, and it was right. like all three adults trying to uh, help these two men navigate the world. Mm -hmm. And and it's right. not easy, which um, mm -hmm. we want to talk about in a minute or so. Mm -hmm. It It is not easy. And people, mm, I read some statistics. Let, let me see. I pulled out one uh, per the U.S. Bureau Census. 1,300 new step families are formed each day. Wow. 40% mm -hmm. of families in the U.S. are blended with at least one partner having a child from a previous relationship mm -hmm. before marriage. The number yeah. of kids living in blended families has been stable for nearly 30 years. So this is not new, okay? Mm -mm. We, um, and then they have several statistics, which we'll get into as we deal with your books. But um, it, 
it doesn't become a title of conversation, blended families. I think what I have heard as a teacher and as a principal and as uh, on the clinical staff is people talk about occasions or incidences or circumstances. And Mm -hmm. it is only if it is a crisis that suddenly they're talking about blending, you know. They, yeah. they, they come up with a, um, a reason, and that reason is right. attributed to what maybe didn't work or what couldn't work. And so I, right. I want to segue into, first thing I'm going to do is let's talk about the two little authors that live in your house. How old are these little yeah. people? They are eight and five. Um, <laughs> when they became authors, they were eight and four. So um, she's since had a birthday, so she's five. Oh, she's grown um, now. But, she is just grown. Yeah, she's grown. Yes. <laughs> yes. I saw a picture oh, yes. of her and I said, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I can see an eight and five-year-old holding a book signing at Barnes & Noble. I can just see it. And your children mm-hmm. seem rather precocious, so I can imagine it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> the book we're talking about is a coloring book, and it says, I can be coloring book. Mm-hmm. Below it says, yes. I am smart, I am determined, I am brave, and I am strong. And the front cover mm-hmm. has images of all kinds of careers. And what I right. love is, now what is this, the name, okay? Gray Baby? <laughs> Who is Gray Baby? Gray Baby is my son, um, and Chandler Francis is, is my little girl. Um, so they, they are the authors, and, uh, and, and I, was, I, I brought the idea to them, uh-huh. and they went with it. Um, so w- they had it where they chose, they chose the, all the careers that are in the book yes. um, because there's four pages. It was 12 each. Yes. Um, so they, they, they came up with the idea of how they were going to do it, um, they've already moved on to preparing to write their next book, uh, which are actual uh, Grayson's is a kid is a kidpreneur book, and Chandler's is just more like a reading um, reading book. Um, but they are very much into it, and um, I, I would say my eight year old probably even more than the five year old. Um, he's very much I can already see it. He's very much a businessman. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And what what we need to tell the audience is. The images throughout the book are of her children dressed as the careers that they are talking about. And it is a yes. coloring book, okay? Yes. The book is them, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I yes. understand, I don't know who told me this, but I understand you have a classroom for your two ch- these two children in your house. <laughs> yes, I do. I, I heard do. that they, they go down there and they have school. Yes, they go down there and have school. I um, it yes. started back before COVID. It was before COVID. COVID was even a thing. We had had it actually in our bedroom, um, and then um, I asked my husband if we could move it downstairs. We had found some actual school chairs. Oh Lord, and, uh, yes. That, that just like, set up my life. I I put the school chairs down there, and I put all everything on the wall. Their little arts and crafts. So it looked. They even have like a little library in there, so <laughs> it looks like the classroom. So, but yeah, I think I'm more excited about it than they are. But I love. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, uh, they need to see it and feel it and mm-hmm. grow into it. But like you said, now your right. your son, you recognize as a, a future entrepreneur. Um, I do, and yeah, I do. 
But you had to plant the seed, and it's getting watered now. So we don't know what mm-hmm. it's going to become, but it's going to become wonderful. So how did they? How did the uh, Barnes and Noble book signing come together for the children? Well, it's actually on June fourth, so oh. we haven't had it yet. Um, oh my bad. They, they I'm work. sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. It's June fourth. Yes, it's on June 4th at uh, Stonebridge and Woodbridge. So how did that happen? Uh, Well, the book is actually in, you can purchase it on Barnes & Noble online, Walmart, Amazon. Yes, I know. Uh And so Barnes & Noble typically will happen is if you are a local author in the area, they will invite you at times to come in and do a book signing. So when they knew they were kidpreneurs, they were very much interested. I love that term. I'm going to use that forever. Kidpreneur. Uh-oh. Kidpreneurs. Don't say that too yes. fast. It come out wrong. So are they excited yes. about it? They are. They are. It'll be their first book signing. They're super excited. Um, they, uh, their older brother, it's, and when you talk about entrepreneurship, a, a lot, when I talk about, I think, things are birthing you even when you're in your mother's womb and then when you're born and you and you're surrounded around certain things I think it just becomes a, a part of you their their father is an entrepreneur um, their their brother is an entrepreneur he's 19 and he just started his power washing business so they see all of this around them they see me they see their father they see their brother uh-huh um, you know they see their auntie who's a consultant so they see all of these different things and so to them I, I don't even – it will be interesting to me if, if, if my son works for someone. I just don't see it. I see him as being his own boss. I don't um, – you know, and I think it comes from just what they what they have seen. I, um, I agree you with know. you. I agree with you 100%. Just like the whole gig economy, you know, the mm-hmm. whole thing about mm-hmm. working for somebody. We've got a generation – actually now two generations of young people who have seen what working for the company – can be like mm-hmm. as they watch their mm-hmm. parents be laid off, things change, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, oh, yes, absolutely. it's just mm-hmm. amazing. And so um, I think that will become more of a norm than we know, especially with uh, technology. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And things can become global so easily. So um, I right. look forward to that. But um, okay, the next Let's see. I want to talk about, I think I want to talk about the book, and then I want to do more than talk about the exercises, okay, for the blended family that you have, okay? Okay. Uh, Okay. All right. So what inspired you to do this, besides the obvious? Um, I I felt like there was a need. Um, I did. Um, I think you, you said it earlier. A lot of times we don't talk about blended families until there is a crisis. Um, or there's something that happens. Um, I was looking around be- for information on blended families. Um, I created a group uh, called um, Blended with Love on Facebook because I, every place that I went, it was all negative. And I was like, I, I know there's got to be something good out here. This, this can't be. This can't be what blended families are about or what they're talking about. It was just always. It, it always seemed like it was very messy and just very sad and doom and gloom and you know, uh, awful things, feelings about set parenting. Um, so I said I was going to create my own. So I created my own group. I started doing my own research, uh, studying, um, talking to therapists, trying to figure out better ways of doing things, um, building healthy relationships. 
and 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 as I I say this, I, I will tell you, my husband and I, we started it off wrong but right, meaning we 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 did it the wrong way with, with the right motive, but even a, a wrong right still in the end can cause wrong and cause trauma. Well, now, okay, but before you put a comma there, because I think what you said is very, very significant, are you willing to Mm -hmm. share the kinds of things you saw that you could have done differently? I'm not going to say wrong. You could have done differently. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Part of it was engaging too soon. Okay. Um, I think because I had divorced, there's trauma there when you divorce, and I think we often forget that our trauma and our pain and our healing is very separate than our children. Absolutely. And I, I didn't know how to separate the two. So my thought was because I was healed, because I was delivered, because I had gone to therapy, they had gone to therapy, and just simply because the therapist was telling me they were ready, I felt like they were ready. Okay. Um, but they weren't. Um, they were still hurting. They were still healing. There were still things that they had not discussed or talked about. Um, and so when we went into marriage, we believe that the order of the home is the husband. The husband is the head. And so we operate in that capacity. And we 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 had my husband being the voice to tell them the things that they should or shouldn't be doing. I think in a normal situation where you have husband and wife intact family from the get-go, then yes, maybe that is what you would do. But in a home where he is essentially a stranger and has just met these children, even though he hadn't technically just met them. Yes, I understand. And now the dynamic has changed from, oh, you were just dating my mom to now you're you're physically living here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so to us, you're a stranger, but yet you're telling us to do certain things. And even though you may not be physically disciplining us, you're disciplining us with your words by giving us a consequence for the choices that we're making. But yet we don't have a relationship with you. Um, so I think it would have been it would have been wiser for us to concentrate on establishing relationship. Mind you, we did start out with therapy. In fact, when we got off the cruise on Sunday uh, from our honeymoon, we call it a kid moon because we took the kids with us. I don't recommend that. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, Wait a minute, Sharon. Especially if they're not ready and they're not real happy he's there. I know they had an agenda for your honeymoon. Okay? Exactly. Yes. We'll leave it there. (laughs) But that Monday, we were in therapy because I had already scheduled it. I had already said I wanted us to continue therapy. We did therapy before we, when we, when we made a decision that we were going to get married, we did therapy during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me back up. My children were already in therapy when we were, when I was going through the the divorce, um, right before the divorce and then during the divorce, after the divorce, they had been in therapy for some time, but then therapy shifted. The agenda for therapy shifted because the the dynamic was shifting. I was going to be getting married. So it started to be about us getting married and you know, how they're going to handle that. And then we were going to therapy all together Um, But the thing is, you can go to therapy all day long, but if you don't have the right therapist or a therapist that is Amen, amen, amen. You are going there to pay a copay, um, and you're not really going there to solve or work through issues. And that was part of our problem is that we went to a therapist who had blended family as one of the things that they had worked on, but yet we were the first blended family that they had helped. So we were basically a science project for them or a guinea pig because they had not done it before. And I understand everyone has to go through training, but we, we needed someone who was a little bit more seasoned to help us navigate. 
And because we didn't necessarily have that, I was scrambling because one of the key things that I did know through it all was that I didn't want whatever we were going to do to be chaotic. I didn't want there to be chaos. I felt like the children had already endured enough trauma. Um, I wanted there to be peace. And so it took us probably about, probably about almost two years for us to get to that place where we were finally at a place of peace. Now, Sharon, I want I want to interrupt you, which is rude, but to put a comma there about choice of therapist. Uh, often mm-hmm. people are not aware that they have a choice. <laughs> you know, if they are sitting in therapy and saying, you know, this isn't working, you, you right. don't have to stay there because you went there. And most people don't feel empowered to explore options. And therefore, you stay in a bad situation, which exacerbates the reason you went there. And so I just want to put that in as a footnote to to your story. And uh, I'm listening here and thinking, wow. Honeymoon to therapy. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yes. And and so it took us almost two years to get to that place of peace. Yes. Um, and, and, and and once we were there and we knew what that felt like, we did whatever we could to stay in that place. Okay. So that meant family, that meant, meant talking, having a moment where we could allow the kids to express what they were feeling and to discuss that. And I think so often in the black community, we, we, we have carried an attitude, at least I know growing up, I remember it being an attitude of, of you don't, you don't question me you don't I'm the adult you don't get the absolutely absolutely you're right and and I and I I agree with that to a certain extent because I do believe you have to have boundaries and children need to understand that we're the parents we're the authority figure but I also believe there has to be some space to be able to discuss some of the things that are hurtful some of the things that are are traumatizing to our children we shouldn't have to wait until they're grown and adults and they're 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 not showing up for events or they're cussing us out, you know, on their way out the door. It should be a moment where we're able to help them heal along the way. Yes. Because it's easier to deal with that when they're younger than waiting until they're older and it hasn't been addressed and now they're carrying that same stuff to other relationships, creating the same cycle. Exactly. Um, and, and and, and I, I was famous for telling my children that they were cycle breakers, but I had to teach them how to be cycle breakers. I couldn't, I couldn't create the same thing that I had seen before or done before. I had to create new cycles so that they even understood what that meant. That's what I'm going to ask um, you. So, That's what I want you to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, and I appreciate okay. you admitting that, you know, because habit, mm-hmm. is, habit is one of the most powerful yeah. things in the world. And mm-hmm. if you're in that cycle... And your children are watching you. They don't take an eraser and delete that when you introduce a new behavior pattern. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, what they were used to before my 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 husband and I got married, they were used to seeing me run the home and run it how I wanted to run it and, and talk how I wanted to talk uh-huh. uh, and just the disrespect well when I came in this new situation and I was so respectful and I was honoring my husband and I was you know they didn't understand that they were like wait a minute that's not what we used to seeing where's the disrespectful mom that we're used to where's the where's that <laughs> woman because that's the woman we like you know, I got gotcha. you nice. yes you yes and so so having to even break that pattern with them because that was very difficult for them it I remember saying well you would think 
that they would be happy about this new situation because this new situation is so much more peaceful. Like, they don't got to worry about the stuff they had to worry about before. But, see, that's what I felt. Yes, exactly, exactly. Earlier, their pain, their healing, their trauma is different than mine. Um, and, And that is often what parents miss when they go into blended situations um, that they miss that my healing, my pain, how I'm processing it at at 40 or 39 or 20 is not the same way a teenager right. is processing it. Or yes, five year old. Yes, you know they're they're processing it totally different, and they don't they don't see it as oh this is a blessing. Oh this man is so great. You know he loves the Lord. He's praying with us. He's given us structure. No, no. Who would kid? Most kids kids like structure. But they don't like it, so they're going to fight against it. And if they've not had, if they've not had the kind of structure we were trying to establish all this time, then they most certainly aren't going to be embracing it as you know, like they're like it's the best thing since sliced bread. Especially when you come into a situation where you have teenagers. My my children at that time were 16, um, 16, 14, um, 12, 11, 10. And then, then we had Grayson, who was a baby. So he was the only one who really had it, where we didn't have the we didn't have the the so much dysfunction with him at that age. Because again, he was essentially born into this, so he didn't end up having the the, the situation. But he had other other things, and he still has other things at eight um, that often we don't we don't we forget about the fact that he isn't home all the time that that's stressful for him going between two homes and the other thing I I don't want us to forget is as you were talking about the structure changing let us Mm -hmm. remember that your children now have to share your love exactly and to Mm -hmm. me that is the seed that that gets them going like wait a minute hold it Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. mom and I did this when mom and I did this and then you've got uh different ages and you've got the Oh, the middle mm-hmm. school ages in there. And that's, you know, like they're beginning yeah. now to separate from you. You know, they're beginning right. to let parents fall off the pedestal. And that means they right. got to figure out who I am. And, you know, that right. is not easy between you and them. Right. You know? Exactly. My mother right. spent a lot they're of time right. telling me she brought me in this world and she's going to take me out if I didn't do such and mm-hmm. such. And I believed her. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. I believed mm-hmm. her. But in your mm-hmm. book now, a step toward blending. I want you to talk about how you structured it because uh, one of our books is called Mr. and Mrs. A Step to Towards Blending, and it's a workbook. So it takes them through yeah. exercises like areas of strength versus areas that require mm-hmm. growth, and then it has all mm-hmm. of the things like spiritual belief, communication, financial management, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then, mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. each one of those, after you do an inventory of the relationship, then there's a mm-hmm. section called, called Let's Talk. So that means mm-hmm. you all have to negotiate, communicate what you just did. In ter- and wait a minute, let me see. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. um, I love this. Uh, Sharon has uh, quotes uh, on, I guess, in between each chapter. And mm-hmm. talking, our family's morals and values are established based on the foundation we set and our example. If we want to produce mm-hmm. strong, healthy families, our actions must align with that vision. And uh, that's right. one of the things I have seen in intergenerational mm-hmm. situations. It's, it's, 
a version of do as I say and not as I do. But what mm-hmm. we're trying to do is trying to say we are congruent. What I am saying, I'm also behaving in that same fashion. And that helps us exactly. reduce all the craziness. But talk to me about how you put this book together. And uh, it's an excellent book, by the way. Um, Thank you. I put it together with the mindset of helping people navigate on whether set, a set family, one, is what they would want to do if it's a situation where they're considering dating someone who is who has children from a different relationship. Because what, what statistics is showing is that if, as you get as you wait later on in life to get married, the chances of you marrying someone that has children is highly probable. Yes. So yes. this is a book that would be for someone who would be considering marrying someone with children. It would also be a book for someone who is maybe possibly having marital issues and they're considering divorce. Mm-hmm. Thinking about all the things they have to consider when they when they go down that road, when the ink is dried and they go their separate ways. Because children are still involved, they've got their visitation. There's all those different things that are that are still uh, involved, and you don't just—it's not all of a sudden now just because the marriage is dissolved and everything is dissolved. No, children are there, yes. so we have to learn how to work together. Um, and it—my hope um, is that it'll also be for people who are in blended families that are engaged or about to be engaged, and they read through this and they think about all the things or as many things as they possibly can to consider before they even say I do. And the reason why I say before we even say I do is because I don't think we prepare enough for the marriage as we do for the wedding. I agree. Because there's a lot of fiction for that, but then we're not sitting down talking about, well, what happens if my parents want the kids and, you know, we get them every other week, then, you know, when are they going to spend time with their grandparents? And, you know, we don't talk about all those things. And so this book kind of gives you a guideline of some of the things to talk about, to discuss. Um, and to consider, and, and, and as I mentioned earlier, my hope would be that people who are even considering divorce, after they read through this and they consider all the different things that they need to think about, that they may even reconsider because they'll realize all the things that are going to happen with their children, the things that they have to work out, that they'll think, you know, it's, it's do we really want to do that? Because I say this all the time. I am for people who are divorced, but I am not for divorce. I am for people who are in blended families, but I'm not for blending, meaning I don't, I don't, I wouldn't encourage anyone to divorce. I would not because I believe that, that, that God desires us to stay connected to the person that we chose, which is why we should be doing our history and studying and making sure that we're, we're connecting with the right person, not being unequally yoked. But in the event that that doesn't happen and we decide to have covenant with someone, then we need to make sure we're doing it the right way. Because at the end of the day, when there are children involved, if we don't do it the right way, all we're doing is causing further trauma and we're not breaking cycles and we're continuing them down the, the, the lines where they will continue to make some of the same bad decisions that we've made. And you are totally accurate. I'm sitting up here uh, thinking how guilty I am because I... I said yes to a man who had two sons and uh, was not, should have taken a lot more time, even though we thought we did, but Mm -hmm. uh, dealing with the mother, then Mm -hmm. after 22 years, we're not together. And so Mm -hmm. now he's with someone else who has kids. Now try that on for size. 
mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is layered step families and there's mm-hmm. been a lot of uh let's see breakage breakage mm-hmm. in relationships uh so yeah. i i um i hear you i feel you mm-hmm. and i look back on things i cannot change but i would definitely have a conversation with someone to tell them the outcome if they do it my way and and if right. it's you know and i absolutely love this whole page uh, Sharon has on the myths about a step blended family. I'll just pull out a couple, three of them. Uh, mm-hmm. That children in a step family will never desire their biological parents to be together. Mm-hmm. That refusing to engage in high conflict uh, situations with the co parent means you're weak. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that biological parents, co-parents, and step-bonus parents will never get along and will never do what it what is in the interest best interest of the child. Uh, mm-hmm. The that step-blended families don't require boundaries. We know that's a myth. That blending mm-hmm. a step family is an oh wow. That blending a step family is an overnight process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you you use this book in groups with groups of people in. Okay, let me do it the, the right way. How do you use this book? Um, I encourage couples to get the book. Um, we can do it as a we could do it as groups. We could do it as individuals. Um, I encourage I encourage pastors who are counseling people who are set families um, who are going to enter into a set family to get the book because oftentimes. Pastors will marry people who are in blended families, and they'll talk about finances. They'll talk about everything under the moon, but they will not talk about blending. Yes, um, I know, I know, and that's what because yeah, the mindset is the mindset is I'm the adult. These are the rules. You just do what I say, and that's basically what essentially has been how it's been over generation to generation. And and again, a lot of times that that has worked or people believe it's worked for intact families, but a blended family, yeah, I can do that. But do you want your kids to, to be miserable? Do you want your kids to, to have trauma that you don't notice or that you don't know about? Um, you and know, wait a minute, that's it, Sharon, Sharon, that's key. That's key. Okay. Yeah. Children, children, uh, for whatever reasons, tend to protect their parents. When they're mm-hmm. suffering, very often it is not a parent. And mm-hmm. and it, it comes out in school. It comes out after mm-hmm. school. It comes out yes. with behavior that is dangerous to yes. them. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't see it because what they display what? in the home is mm-hmm. uh, managing your expectations. And so going mm-hmm. back to something you said a long time ago is there's got to be a space where children right. feel safe. In other words, you're not going to smack them down where they feel right. safe and they can be vulnerable and they can tell you so and so said this about me or right this man said I should do this that and the other on the way home no you've got to have a space where even if it's a physical space to begin with and then a psychological space where you designate we need to go into that place now i need you and right. you begin to model the behavior where they can share a lot of what's going on. And I think I had mentioned to you that I volunteer with um, uh, people who have been trafficked. 
And very often Mm -hmm. there have been boys and girls from blended families. And because Mm -hmm. the trafficker, as he is grooming them, is giving them everything he picks up that they don't get at home. And so we have to, oh, there's so much we need to do for our children. What about the children? Mm -hmm. Uh, So much. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But and, and I and I think often if we if we were to if we if if, if we were to put aside because a lot of times people will say, oh, well, you just don't want me to be happier. You just don't want me to move on with my life. And, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying move on, move on, but move on healthy, move on in the right space at the right pace. Move on educated. Move on where you are. You are making sure that you are doing everything in your power to make sure that you are you are trying to to not create additional traumas, additional pain. Because the 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 honest part that we forget about blended families is it does come together from brokenness. I know. I know. Yes. Widow. Whether it's because you're widowed, whether it's because you're a single parent, whether it's if you were a single parent, that means there was a relationship that was broken off. Whether it's because you were divorced, um, you know, uh, whatever the case is, there's some brokenness there. Now, I'm going to interrupt you. you. I'm going to be rude. You get Mm -hmm. to choose. You get to choose because I love what you're saying and we're running out of time. Okay, so we only have a few more minutes. You can read your letter to yourself or you can read it the next time you come on and we can continue to talk about this because you're giving some sage advice that people need to hear. What would you like to do, Sharon? We can continue to talk and I can read the letter the next time. Yes. Yes. Okay. go ahead, because yes, 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 yes. Please go ahead. So I think when we look at it and say, are we doing within the best interest of our children? Are we doing within the best interest of us? What's going to give us the most peace and how are we going to navigate through that? Mm-hmm. Um, not just, oh, I'm so in love with you. You're so in love with me. We're going to do great together. You know, it, it's got to be deeper than that. And what kind of legacy are we trying to build together? You know, what kind of cycles are we trying to break? And what, what, what does that require? Um, you know, when I talk about how one of the major things that my husband and I talk about and doing differently when I was saying that he came in or he came in and was able to give the children direction, I still believe he should have done that because he was helping help take care of them. But I believe there was a way that we should have done it, whether it had been that I was the voice to those things and he talked, we talked about it, had a conversation offline, and then I was the one who spoke it and shared it with the children. Yes, uh, yes, yes. That would have been the better way to handle it. Now, going back to what you were mentioning earlier about, you know, you look over and you see some of the decisions that you made that you wish you hadn't have made. Yes. We can't fix those things, but we can help somebody else so that they don't do it. And we can look at our situation in the now if you're in it and say, okay, I see this isn't working. And you so know what, what Sharon? I'm, I'm going to really be, oh, wow. Being authentic sometimes is hard when you're on the radio. But I have an mm-hmm. opportunity to do just what you said. And what I'm going to do mm-hmm. now is to say out loud. Oh, I'm running out of time. I'm going to say out loud. I'm going to take that time, Sharon, to do what you said. I'm going to take mm-hmm. that time to share what happened to me. I'm going to do that. And, and right now, yeah. of course, we have to end the show. But you'll be back. There'll be um, the second yeah. time with Sharon. And, oh, gosh, thank you so, so, so very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Well, you know this is the first, okay? Let me tell everyone, everyone, that your seat at the table is guaranteed. 
And I look forward to next time. And until then, remember this. No matter who you are, no matter how hard it feels, you are worthy. You are stronger than you feel. You are smarter than you think. You're more beautiful than you know and more loved than you can ever imagine. You, you, you're chosen. Imagine what it took for you to get into this world. You're important, and I want you to treat yourself like someone you love. And just in case you don't do that, I'll be loving you, okay? Now, this is Tyra G. Until next time, think about the things you heard today. Think about if there's someone you can help with what you heard. Be blessed and know your love.